Hello and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Gareth and Milo. Hello, gents. Hello, Steph. Hello, Steph. Hello, chaps. I mean, look, it was perhaps inevitable, was it? Did we sense something like this 2-1 loss at home to Wolves yesterday was on the cards? And if we didn't, were we maybe avoiding a truth bomb? Is it really a tragedy or just a stutter in the learning curve? Does two weeks off after something like this help us? Are we unnecessarily twisting our melons? I mean, it's just questions, 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 gentlemen. And uh, for everyone out there, we are going to do our best to answer those. Ask a few more and we'll answer those ones too. So without further ado, let's get into it, shall we? Um... And first of all, uh, gents, uh, and whoever wants to take the lead on this, please do tell us in a nutshell what you thought of our performance. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go. I mean, for me, it was the most disappointing performance this season, certainly at home. It was clunky. It was it was disjointed with too many players below par. I was impressed with the way that Wolves executed a plan very efficiently. But I think we were reminded of some old faults from, from previous years that haunted us, i.e. a team sitting in a low block, which and we're not the only team that suffer from that as well. I think that's one thing, very important thing to point out. Lots of very good teams get, get, get stuck when they play against teams on a low block. Um, that was the second time this season that we've had more than 70% possession in the game and ended up not winning. So the other one was West Ham. So we, we do know that there is a problem in there. I just feel in the, in the wider sphere, it's probably a result that had been coming. You alluded to that in your intro, Steph. I think everything since we beat Newcastle and blew them away in December has been a little bit of a slog, and that's over about a 10-game period now. And There's been plenty of games that flip of the coin and they, they've gone in our favour and probably it was it, it was time for that to go the other way. But that, you know, that said, on another day, we defend that corner in the first half better and Davis scores at the end and we win 2-1. So it, it's very, very fine margins as, as ever. <laughs> I just want to note for any squirrels in the greater London area who are looking for a particularly bountiful nut, head towards Gareth's because the size of that nutshell, you're going to be well fed, I'm telling you. <laughs> See you through the winter, will it? I think it will. Fly me. And that's it. Thank you very much for this. <laughs> no, it was a very comprehensive nutshell indeed. Uh, Milo. <clears throat> um, yeah, I agree with, it with what Gareth's saying. I mean, I think the thing that was occurring to me and you know gareth's point about how we haven't played well really since newcastle i think is right and i do think that so rather than kind of summarizing the game i think kind of summarizing the reaction to the game i do think that sometimes people are reacting to a result and i don't think our performance this week was particularly better or worse than it was against brighton last week or brentford or everton for that matter um but you know, if we've come out on top of those or we've, you know, we've, you know, got a better result, then people react better to it. And, you know, in answer to your kind of question in the intro, I think this probably has been coming for a while. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there's positives from this game. I think Gareth's right that a number of key players were below par and, you know, particularly some key ones when we've got so much of the ball and a team sitting deep, you, you know, you really need your creative players to turn up and that didn't really happen. And, I think we've also got to be kind of aware where we are in this process. For me, it felt, it feels like growing, growing pains. You know, we're, we're trying to move from a team that was based around a couple of star players to a system based approach. And that's not something that you can do early or you know, immediately. And I think it's just where we are in this process. And I think if we're still seeing results like this in a year or so's time, then, then I think there's reason to be concerned. But at the moment, I just think this is where we are in you know, becoming an Ange side. 
I'm going to attempt to hazelnut this. Um, I, I think largely very frustrating. I felt a great deal of um, upset at the time towards the team. Uh, taking a breath and looking at it afterwards, I think it's a performance that was uh, wholly, you'd wholly have expected it given uh, the team selection, which we will get into. And also the fact that for this particular fixture, it appeared that the game of football was played in uh, a space that's half the size that the regulation uh, rules allow. And I think that when you squeeze the same amount of players that play at a regulation football pitch into half a football pitch for at least 70% of the game, it's it's going to get busy and, and really hard to do anything remotely um, constructive or, or, or productive. So uh, in, in a sense, I saw this coming from 10 minutes into the match. And sadly... I, I was not. I was not let down, or shall I say, I was not surprised by the outcome. But I, uh, you know, as you both said, I think there's an awful lot more context to this than just saying things like "we were shit" or "they don't try" or you know, the, everyone, yeah, nobody, nobody showed up. It was disappointing, but there are circumstances, and I think we'll be discussing those in some detail. And why don't we start with the team selection, which is quite possibly one of the main reasons that we ended up with this result, I would I would argue. Yeah, so Royal came in for Porro, Davis in for a doggy because both picked up knocks against uh, Brighton last weekend. Uh, Basuma was in for Benton Kerr, and Sun started in place of Werner. So four changes from the previous side. Um, other than that, yeah, pretty much everyone where you'd expect them to be. Yeah, I mean, look, for, for me, there was no compelling case for any alternatives, really. Um, I think, you know, in hindsight, it's very it's very easy to be wise in, in hindsight. But the way the game panned out, Basuma's abilities to receive the ball in tight areas with his with players up behind him were slightly negated by the fact that Wolves were so happy to to sit deep. So maybe there was a there was, was a case to have Ben Tankur, who's maybe a better passer and slightly more intricate in the other team's half or not. But again, I, th- I think everyone thought that Ben Tankur probably needed a week out mm-hmm. of the team, and it was it was time right. for Bissouma. So again, that, that's being very yes. very wise in in hindsight. Other than that, look, I mean, I think that was the team I, I, I would have picked. I think it would right. have been too risky to have changed the fullbacks and put people, midfielders in there, which some people were, su- were suggesting. So, yeah, team selection-wise, no particular problems for me. Oh, you know, I mean, as again, this is all this quote-unquote great American phrase, Monday morning quarterbacking, isn't it? And we've all got a bit of it in us. I had a little bit of it. It's like, you know, I thought, oh, you know, what about trying Dragosan out, like, you know, in one of those slots or maybe putting him as a centre-back and pushing Christian Rim- Romero is like a, a right back who can play like Pedro Boy. So it's just all bollocks, really, isn't it? Because it didn't need to happen. The players who came in have done largely really good jobs this season. Uh, it's just, you know, unfortunate. And we will get into the particular clash that happened with this team selection in terms of injuries. We'll get into it in a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you always get this, don't you? And players out, people try to be clever about playing people out of position. Yes. And, Absolutely. you know, I saw a bit of chat beforehand. It's like, well, Angie's going to do that. Angie's going to pick the understudies in those positions. Right. It's what he's done every time so far this season. And, yeah, I really like Romero, but he'd be worse as a right back than Emerson Royal. And, you know, I don't think Emerson had, Royal had a good game. We, you know, we can go on and discuss him. But, um, yeah, Romero would be worse. Dragosan certainly couldn't do it. You know, he's, he's a very, very heavy passer. You know, I saw people talking about Skip or, or, or Lo Celso in, in place of, you know, Lo Celso in place of Udoki. I, I mean, I just don't think that's going to work. And particularly when you look at, 
you know how Wolves play where they're you know very quick on the break and um, you know uh, you know really you know, really putting us under pressure. You know, I, I don't think playing a midfielder out of position and asking them to try and get into those you know, areas where they're not used to is going is going to be particularly useful. Well, and, and this is the the point before we leave this particular area of the discussion. I, I don't think putting anybody out of position is what you really want to do if you can avoid it. And one of the great things this season is largely we have been able to avoid doing that. Whereas Mm -hmm. it seems that our predecessors in recent times have absolutely excelled in trying to shove, you know, a round peg in a square hole. And uh, I was, yeah, I mean, we're beyond it. So yes, Monday morning quarterbacks, bugger off. It was, it was the selection we expected and that's how it went. Um, But, you know, let Was there a difference, do you think, generally between the first and second halves, or did you feel it yeah. all settled out to mean? Yeah, no, I think there was a big difference between the first and second half. I, mean, I think in the first half we started slowly again, um, and you know, whilst we had a lot, of, a lot with the ball, you know, a lot of the ball, we didn't do enough with it. Um, in the in the in the second half, I thought we were, we were a lot better, but we were playing against a team who were you know putting numbers behind the ball, and we really struggled to break them down. And I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously that that that's a, that's a big issue. As Gareth said, that's um, that's an issue we've had before. You know, if we look at the kind of last four games, it's not just that's not the only um, kind of tactic from an opponent we've struggled with. You know, Brentford were trying to break us up and just make the game really scrappy. Um, you know, Brighton were going man for man on us and and um, snuffing things out that way. So that you know, we're, it's not as if there's just one tactic we're struggling with. Um, but I think the big problem with this game was that you know Madison I thought had a really really quiet game and struggled I think he only had one shot all game and that was off target and you know if you've got 10 men behind the ball in you know two lines um you really need players like Madison so Sun and Kulisevsky are probably our most likely to score aren't they most likely to get shots from distance um I suppose you'd say that Porro being absent from this one was probably a loss as well because he's a, you know a reliable crosser probably you know a second best absolutely uh, massive loss um and yeah and so I think all of that combined just meant that we were just very very blunt and you know I think Wolves by and large were pretty comfortable with it but you know yeah I mean but I think yes there was difference between the heart uh, two halves I thought the second half were a lot better than the first we still didn't do enough with the ball um but you know in the, in the second half we you, you've got um you know Van de Ven and, and Romero kind of halfway into Wolves half as our deepest players our deepest outfield players in the first half we were you know significantly deeper than that as uh, you know playing significantly deeper than that yeah, I thought we were quite loose in the first half. I thought the amount of times that we lost the ball and in transition, Wolves were able to turn us around very quickly. Which, I mean, ultimately, that was where they scored the second goal from. But um, And then we were chasing the game after that. So if, there probably were three or four occasions it happened in the second half. But certainly in the first half, it felt like it happened quite frequently. And then they would maybe misplace passes or or play the wrong pass and didn't didn't um, damage us in the way that we, they could have done. I mean, in some ways, I did see someone make the comment that that game, actually, the pattern of it felt very similar to a lot of the games that we play against Man City where mm-hmm. we, we seem to turn the ball over quickly and then we're able to be very effective on the break and then we were able to nullify them defensively and it did feel like there was an element of that in the game yesterday. I, I just think, I mean, there's so many, uh, th- I was having so many emotions as I was watching the game uh, first and foremost and uh, I've tried to settle on those and see how many really, you know, stand the test of time. Uh, my first was that I still am highly confused by what Decky's doing. 
um, you know, mentally, psychologically. To me, he has the tools. To me, what, yeah, no, I'm going to break that? it. What, what, I'm going to break it down. Okay, I, I'm going to break it down. To me, he has the tools, and he also has a right foot, and he's simply not. He's not looking to break beyond his man. He's. It, it seems that he constantly wants to cut back in on his left because he's more comfortable. Double teamed, inevitably loses the ball. Um, and look. He has a great left foot. I'd like it a lot more if he'd use it more. As you said, I'd like him to shoot more. In games like this, you need to take a chance. The one time he pushed his engine to take someone on, he scored. And the one time he took a shot that was there for the taking, he was very unlucky not to score. So, And I don't mean to single him out because I actually think there were many players who had average games. And he was, and, and Sonny had a, a, an equally average game. Well, more average. He had no effect on it. So... Sorry, go on. No, no, come on in on no, that. I'm just going to come in on that. So, I, I mean, I think, best. you know, firstly with the goal, I mean, it was a, a really nicely taken goal. You know, uh, I think, you know, the toe poke took, uh, you know, surprised the Excellent. keeper and surprised the keeper and it, you know, gave him the advantage there. It's an area where we've been talking about, you know, constantly he, we want to see him in more because he just yes. doesn't get to that part of the pitch enough and he's a real threat there. And you've either got that quick shot or you've got the cutback to the middle where it is almost certainly a goal when he does it. Um, in terms of him shooting with his left, I think you've got to bear in mind that Ange wants him to play, you know, a, a fair bit further out than he was playing last season or, you know, before. So when we played with Con, when we were playing with Conte, um, you know, he always talked about, um, the, you know, the wide players as being his number 10. So, you know, Sun and Kulisevsky were playing kind of the width of the box, weren't they? And then you had the fullbacks on the outside. With Ange, it's the other way around. So, right. um, you know, the 10s, you know, what Conte would call the 10s, you know, we'd probably say wingers uh, under under Ange, you know, Sun and, and Decky are wide, and then you've got the fullbacks into the, in, into the middle. So he's taking shots from a fair bit further out uh, than he would have been previously. And I think in this game, particularly, if Porro's there, I think Porro gives him a bit more of an option because Porro is comfortable holding the line and Decky can come inside. But Emerson Ryle can't go there. I, I agree with all of that tactically, and it's very true. And you know, but but the simple metric is when Decky is receiving the ball as far wide as he is, or even when he is cheating inside a bit more, he's simply not. He's not. His instinct, it seems, is not to turn and try and push the push the margin mm-hmm. on the outside. He's not trying that. He is he's still checking in far too much for my, for, for my taste, and he's losing the ball because he's getting double teamed every time. And I just see so much more from him. He's got the capability. We've seen him put over some wonderful balls with his right foot, even if only to make it when he does cut back in on his left. To you know, they won't know quite what they're going to get when they see him. But he's very predictable right now, and I wonder if it's confidence. I don't. I just don't know. I mean. I- I think the whole team is suffering with fatigue. I think there's a fitness issue in the side. Yes, fatigue is for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we've got a question later on about the kind of two-week break. Um, I've always felt that we we're going to have to try and um, grind our way through those, you know, those few games uh, to to get to this two weeks. I mean, actually, you know, kind of this period now is actually longer than the midwinter midwinter break we had in January because that was that yeah. thirteen days or twelve days in the end. I can't remember. Yeah, but, we played we played the Sunday, then we played yeah. Friday, so it's twelve days, wasn't it? So I think this is really useful from that point of view. Uh, I think that yeah, Decky's looked. He was in glorious form, wasn't he? Over kind of Christmas New Year period, probably our best player during that period, and he's dropped off a bit after that. Yeah. Um, I think it's fatigue. You know, is it, is he's not alone? You know, we're going to go and talk about you know Poro and Odoki. I think Poro's form dropped again. You know, we were talking at. You know, kind of halfway yeah. point that he but, was he was player of the season. You know, his forms dropped off again. I think we've got a load of players who've been run into the ground and are tired 
No, I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. And, and, and that's very evident. It is certainly something we have to take into account. Uh, there's no doubt uh, it, it's a factor. Looking again through the team, you know, between this first and second half, we did talk about James Madison, you know, and, uh, well, we'll be talking about it. Do you mind if I bring that question yeah, up go on. right let's, now? Yeah, go on. Let's deal with Madison Let's do it. Let's, let's bring afterwards. it right now, you know, because, yeah, because yeah, the question we have in here is, you know, is he still finding his feet um, or is he just, you know, is he not? quite the same player uh, or and my friend Johnny said this and I thought this was very interesting um, you know he said maybe he's still trying to play passes you know through the channels but Sonny's not the man running onto them because Sonny's wide he's not playing as a centre forward and that connection is therefore a little different to the connection they, they, they had naturally on the field for the first 10 games of the season I feel that unfortunately it's a com- it's a, it's a combination of I just think when we're in these moments where there's a little rust or fatigue or whatever you want to call it we just turn to him and we turn to him to make it happen and if he's not on it then it's a, it's a bit of a struggle and I noticed yesterday he was dropping back increasingly deep to pick the ball up and try and get things moving and I I just it just all seemed a little bit a lot of pressure on him I think a little too much I think that's that was an issue yesterday I mean, he's always dropped back. I think this is a point Ram made last week, but that's always been part of his game since he's joined us, and it's a good thing. I don't think we should be worried about that. We we want him involved in build-up play, and he's very good at starting stuff and then getting into positions, you know, pockets further up the pitch. So I, I really wouldn't worry about that. I do think he's struggled for form a little bit since coming back from injury. You know, this is the first injury he's had since he's been at Spurs, and we're, so we're not really used to seeing you know, what he's like when he comes back. You know, when a player's been with you a few years, yeah, you know yeah. that it takes him a few games to get in their strides and stuff like that. I honestly can't tell you whether this is typical for him or not because I I haven't watched him enough at Leicester to know that that about his game. I mean, that said, I would have said up to this game, I think he probably was getting better each game. I think this is probably the first one where it's been a step down since he's come back in. Um, and then just finally, that on that point on Sun, I mean, I I, I prefer Sun through the middle um, to out wide. I don't think he particularly suits our system playing out wide because he's he, you know he's not good at balls to feet and then getting in behind people and beating a man that way. I think he's better with space to run into. Um, but Madison and, and Richarlison did play in this combination early in the season. It was a few months into the season when we switched to Sun up top. Um, so it's not as if this is um, you know, completely new. Uh, we yeah we did start the season this way. Yeah, so Gareth, I've got just got to make say this is and this is just my opinion. And I, look, I accept that look, Madison. I think Madison can go wherever he wants on the pitch if you know to to create. But I think the problem when, with with the lineup like we had yesterday versus him being the only person versus who played at number six. You know, I I, I don't want him to have to keep on going back next to the six to pick the ball up over and over again and start trying to prompt things because he's getting frustrated. That's where if you have a Benton core at number six, he's maybe a little more progressive allows Madison to play a little more freely a little further forward I, I that that was the impression I got midway through the second half it's like wow he feels that he has to do everything because nothing's coming from anywhere else and that that can't be right I don't I mean I just don't think that's right and I think that Benton Coe you're talking about at six we've seen for 20 minutes this season and I don't have a problem I don't think it's frustration that makes Madison go back I think Madison's always done that when we were playing really really well early in the season he was doing that and I'm quite happy with him doing that, playing the ball and then making those runs. I think that's fine. To get the best out of James Madison, he needs space on the ball and playing against a very obdurate and well-organised Wolves team who had a block of three central defenders and three midfielders sitting straight in front of him. Where does it? Where does he go to receive the ball? The only place he can go to receive the ball and get any space is to come deep and, and, and get it. 
which is why he was ineffective and why Gary O'Neill, like a couple of other managers this season, have played a masterclass. And it's up to us to find a way around that. And it's really hard to do when, you know, two of your more attacking players this season uh, are out at the same time and and when it comes down to one person. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're all discussing and we'll get into the number six discussion again a little bit because I think it's fascinating um, and uh, so on and so forth. Anyway, Gareth, you should carry on. (laughs) Getting a little, enjoying a conversation a little too much here. I think it was very it was very system specific yesterday with Madison. I mean, yes, yes to all of the things that have been said earlier. He's coming back from an injury. Um, we've definitely not seen the best of him yet that, that we were seeing earlier in the in the season. As I said it was very difficult for him to find any spaces whatsoever. There was one incident in the first half yesterday when I think the game probably was a little bit more open because it was a little bit more transitional at that point when uh, Van der Ven found him in a good space of area in the penalty area and he pulled the ball back and um, Kulisevsky couldn't get a clean shot off. Um, mm. But usually most games you see Madison, he does find that little pocket of space inside a penalty area, but the game does need to be open, particularly when Wolves went um, 2-1 up. I mean, I, I think it's the moment that we equalised, Wolves sat in and they'd have been very happy with the draw from that perspective. Yeah. That was their mindset. Anything beyond that was a bonus for them and look, fair play to them. They, you know, they deserved it. But it did really negate Madison. So we went to a point in the second half where our midfield three was Bentancur, Madison and Kulaseski, who were probably the best three ball players we could play in those positions, mm-hmm. but they were all completely negated because there was no space for them to receive the ball in and to work magic in. So question for both of you. Um, I, you know, I think we've all um, had our gripes uh, some of us more than others, I will confess, about the standard of refereeing this season. Um, fouls not given, fouls uh, allowed to, uh, you know, the game allowed to progress under a physical duress, if you will. And then inevitably, we all feel that it's weighted against us. Um, you know, James Madison obviously got injured because of repeated kicking. Um, you know, as he was going through in tight spaces, trying to break the lines and trying to break small lines, if you will, or break through pockets, whatever adjectives you want to use. Do you think that there is a little um, subconscious sort of reluctance to, to push those to push those barriers because we don't get decisions? I mean, I think when we're playing these teams, we've got players like that. We should be trying to attack the small spaces and draw the free kicks and get the advantages and and get people to, to kick us rather than completely resetting further back, further back, further back and trying and trying and trying. Um, do, would you, would you, is there any merit to that uh, point of view in either of your opinions? I, mean, I don't think we're not trying to do that. I, th- I think we are trying to attack space. Um, I mean, you know, we didn't get, you know, the re- game wasn't refereed as, you know, we probably would, you know, to our advantage yesterday and, you know, probably not how we'd want it. But, you know, it's not the ref's fault that we had, you know, 70 odd percent of the possession and, and couldn't create opportunities. Um, so, no, I think we are, I don't think we're not trying to do that. I don't think, I don't think we've changed. I don't think Madison's changed how he's playing because he's been injured or was scared of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not something I've observed. Yeah, I, I could go into monologue about the science of Anthony Taylor's refereeing yesterday, which I think I've probably been repeating what I've said before. Um, but I'll, I'll wait to be invited to talk about that if you if we want to go into that theme in any in in any depth. But um, no, there was I, I'd heard a, I don't know whether you heard this one, Milo, earlier in the week. We've had the most carries into the penalty area of any team, yeah. not just in the Premier League, but in the top in five Europe. leagues in yeah. Europe. Um, but we've also only been given one penalty this year. 
But in saying that, I, I can't. And Steph, when we do this top 10 injustices against Spurs of all time, um, I don't think anything this season is going to come up. Because I can't particularly remember being sawn off for any decisions where we should have had any penalties this year. In saying that, I can't even remember. one last week. It was one last week. I can't well, remember that Van one. der Ven is held and shoved to the floor from a set piece. Hmm. Arms wrapped around him. No, it's a clear penalty. It's a clear penalty. He's, he's, he's shoved to the ground. He's not allowed mm. to get any traction or even motion. He's oh, literally I, I, bear-hugged from behind. No, it's, I, I, it's a clear well, penalty. That's, that's, that's not an example of a carry into the penalty area, which is where you'd no. expect these sort of penalties decisions to to come from. Um, so, yeah, what, why... I mean, that tells me maybe that if we're having that many carries into the penalty area and we're perhaps not scoring as many goals or creating as many chances as we like and we're not getting fouled as well that there's work to be done which I think alludes to that that point about that there are there are teething problems and it's a work in progress at the yes. moment um for, for a variety of it, reasons it is it is a work in progress and that's probably I think the overriding thing and the overriding spine of this pod is probably to remind people that for whatever hysterical overreactions you might have had to the two one defeat um yesterday uh by Wolverhampton Wanderers it's serves us well to remember this is a you know we are a work in progress and and we're quite far ahead actually much further ahead than we would have thought we were going to be in August but back to the game at hand uh I believe I'm right in saying it was the first game where neither Pedro or Destiny were on the pitch at the uh, you know we lost them both for, mm-hmm. uh, for the first time this season in, in, in the a Premier match. League yeah they neither the of them league. played yes. at Fulham. Fulham in the League Cup yeah. it was it yes. was, was well, Ryan yeah, but, Davis who played that night yeah so I and I you know I suppose look I think we've sort of covered in a roundabout way <laughs> the impact uh, it has on our performance not having those players. I mean, it's just it, it's enormous impact. But uh, you know, does it make addressing their backups of paramount summer importance? That's one question to throw out there. Um, for, I mean, for me, it would be the priority positions after a one v one specialist winger forward. Um, so yeah, second priority for me, definitely. I mean, I think Royal particularly was very poor yesterday. I thought Davis was fine. I mean, not doesn't offer as, you know as much of a threat as. Um, as Udogi, obviously, he's not as powerful, not as not as direct, uh, but I thought he's okay. Uh, Royal, I thought was was appalling. I mean, the, there was um, a moment halfway through the first half which kind of typified his performance for me, where he was trying to do kind of pirouette on the you know, halfway in our half, and then got mugged by Gomez, and then we had you know a couple of minutes of sustained Wolves pressure afterwards, and he got caught in possession a few times. And he must realise that he's shit on the ball. I mean, he's got lots he's got lots of qualities and in the right team he'd be really good. But he's not a player who's comfortable on the ball and can and can pick things out in in, in midfield. Um and you'd think he'd just try and get rid of the ball quickly and, and move up. I, mean, I think there was uh, I saw moments with him kinda of up the pitch where we were attacking and he was berating the other players for not passing to him when he's in the inside channel on the edge of their box. You're thinking, What on earth are you thinking, man? You know? <laughs> so you know, I, I, so uh, I, yeah, I don't want to dig him out because he's a lovely guy. And um, again, as I said in the right team, I think he'd be really good, but he's just completely the wrong fit for the, for this team. Yeah, I, I felt through watching the game back that he got himself into exactly the right positions that you want a player playing that inverted fullback position to be in. But then he just, yep. yeah, he didn't have got the skill set to then deal with the yep. ball as, as you'd want him to. Um, and I think it is worth a, re- a reminder as well that since we bought him, he was originally bought to play in a, in a, in a, a say, an orthodox right back in a, in a back four. Um, by the time he came in, that manager lasted about seven weeks until someone came, Conte came in and then wanted him to play as 
a wing back, which was a position he'd never played before. Um, then he's come in this season, he's deputised, um, uh, I think, very well, admirably, as a central defender, which is a position we didn't think he could play. And now for only the, what, the third time, because he started the first game at Brentford and he played that cup game at Fulham, he's now been asked to play in a very, very specific way, which, again, just doesn't suit his skill set. So whereas, you know, Davis, I've always felt or certainly felt this season that he has shown that his I think value and future within this squad will probably be as a backup central left-sided defender should um, should Mickey be out again I well particularly with Dragusan there now I, I don't quite see the same opportunities for you know for Emerson yeah. I think if we're going to continue to play unless that right back role evolves quite significantly he's probably going to be surplus just because it's the wrong skill set in the wrong squad well, he's certainly going to be a player that you would upgrade if you consider what we lost with Pedro not being on the pitch. Uh, I will go back to something you said, Milo, about uh, him commensurate to his abilities. I never want any footballer wearing our shirt going out to start a football match to doubt themselves. I don't care how shit they are. I, I want Stuart Nethercott to think that he is Ledley King. I, I you know, I, I don't want that. I, I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with you. Uh, you know, the pirouette which I, I remember as you described it, I saw it and I remember, I remember just putting my head uh, in my hands going, Oh dearie me. Um, but you know, he, it, let's, let's give Ange credit here. He's convinced, uh, he's convinced Emerson that he can play that role and he's gone out there and given it his best, but the, the, the facts are the facts. And the yeah, facts I mean, I think, you free. yeah. I, mean, I don't think I quite meant that Steph. I think what I'm saying is, is that um, I think he needs to keep it simple in that position. And you know, what he was doing there, that pirouette wasn't what Porro would do there. Porro would have you know, picked out a pass and moved it on. So, wait, wait. you know, I think what, what I'm saying is that, you know, his slow, you know, part of his issue is his slowness on the ball, his, you know, his lack of vision. And I think if he kept it simple, it right. would have been better. Just one other point, actually, because, you know, we're talking about potential <laughs> understudies. No, I mean, there's one actually that was playing for yeah, Wolves who I think, who I think might be, um, so, uh, Rayanate uh, Nuri, the left back for Wolves, I think might be a useful potential understudy for Udoki. I think he's a decent player. He plays as a wing back as well. Yeah, he's been targeted by a few people, hasn't he? Yeah, he's young. Yeah, I yeah. think I think he'd be a good signing. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I will say about Royale before, just to close this off, and I think we would all agree on this, is that, you know, uh, he is in, you know, he's done tremendous service for us in a variety mm-hmm. of positions, as you pointed out, Gareth. But there are certain players who they will be top six players you know, they'll probably be good squad players for a Europa League side. I think he firmly falls into the category of if you want to win things, if you want to like win the elite trophies, he's not going to be the man that you're going to have in your squad because he can't do that. I mean, I think because he has those, I mean, the pair of, the pirouette was what I would put in the brain fart territory or the momentary like loss of focus. And we're going to get to it. There's somebody else I feel falls into that category firmly, but we're, we're, we're getting there. So. I think Royal would be fine for a team challenging in a in a system that suited him and he you know he's he's not so it's not his ability or you know where we want to be for me it's his suitability for the system um and I think I think he can get a move to a good club in the summer I think there'll be I think he'll be quite in demand I think lots of people will want him I think he's gonna I think he'll end up abroad and I think he'll have a fine career abroad like if he goes to Spain or Italy for sure I think Spanish league especially um Okay, let, let's let's move to if we can um, uh, a topic uh, that I think will, well, this could be quite quite an interesting conversation between us. Um, let's talk about Eves. Let's talk about Eves Basuma. Um, I'll just put this out there. Uh, I'll, I'll just put that out there. Let's just start. Let's just start with uh, how we thought he played yesterday. Why don't it's a simple? We'll keep it simple. 
<laughs> Let's see what happens from that question. I thought it was okay. I mean, it's his first start for two months. Um, so I think you've got to, you know, just similar to you know, talking about other players who've, who've been away or been injured or what have you, you've got to take that into account. Um, I suppose he's partially to blame for the second. I mean, he, he was the one who lost the ball on the edge of, uh, Wolves, uh, Wolves' area, uh, that the, the break came from and he was closest to Gomez when Gomez shot. Um, I thought it was okay. I don't think it was a, you know, particularly good or particularly bad. I don't think he's been any worse than, um, you know, Hoybier or Benton Kerr in that position in recent weeks. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be honest. I was a bit surprised to see him in the notes because I don't, I don't think there was a you know huge amount to say about him. Mm. I, th- I think slightly at risk of re- repeating what I said earlier, I just thought as the game panned out for him, he's someone who you get the best out of him. He's press resistant. You want him receiving mm-hmm. the ball in deep areas and driving forward. And when you're playing against a team who aren't going to try and engage you until you get within thirty yards of the goal, most of his skill sets were mm-hmm. were completely negated yesterday. And that's fair. I think it's such a key position for this football club and the way that Ange is playing. I think that player has to be dialed in 100% all the time in in a, in, in a, in a world-class fashion. And uh, even when the game is not suiting their skill set or so on and so forth, it's such so important. I mean, it's sort of actually why, even though I love Benton Court and I love the concept of him as a number six, I do. I'm married to it. I think it's a great thing. But equally, I'm prepared to ditch it at the altar because... I just don't know if he can be a world-class number six. And I've got to say, and maybe this is the reason I put it in here, because I, I want the discussion with you two about it, because you maybe are a little more level-headed on this. And look, I, I talked with Johnny about this yesterday, and I think even he was a tad confused by but Well, not confused. I think he somewhat got it. But I just personally, if there's an upgrade to be had there this summer, I would bite your hand off. I would set, I would get the money for him and I would move for a better number six. Now, ask me who that is right now. I don't know. I'm not scouting. But there were two moments yesterday where I felt his focus let us down. One was in the first half where there's a simple header backwards that he has to play and instead he tries this elaborate flicked header inside to his left from the right-hand touchline, which ends up uh, giving the ball to Wolves and they end up putting us under pressure for a couple of minutes. It was unnecessary and it just seemed a flicker of a lack of concentration and then twice uh the way he lost the ball for the goal was one thing that did annoy me but i was absolutely stunned with the uh, again the ball watching and allowing the guy to 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 score when he's got back he's there and he's i think that, just, he's, those not are just close, he's not that close to him though is he at the time the shot's taken but he can see he's chasing that movement all the way he can see what's going to happen he can see the potential of what's going to happen He's got to be there. He's got to be thinking that. Now, I'm not just putting it on him. There are several other players there, but he is the man who has the full picture as he's running and he stops and watches the ball. Well, not stops, but he slows and watches the ball. It's pretty unforgivable to me. He gets to the edge of the area and, and uh, holds a position, doesn't he? So, um, I mean, What I, position? I mean, I, anyway, look, that's would, just my view and it's my, my opinion. I thought but, he switched off twice. I just don't know if we can afford to have that. I mean, would, you know. I mean, I think you're a bit, someone's first start for two months, I think that's probably being a bit harsh in terms of, you know, their future of the club. I mean, I think the simple fact is, is that his early season form, to buy a player better than that, if he can regain that, you know, there are, there are plenty of unknowns with this. But if he, re- yeah. if he can regain his early season form, then buying a player better than that is you know, hundred million pounds plus in the current market. It's it's yeah. you know, really really tough. Well, I on, think it could... on, on Benton Kerr, we've got no idea. We you know, we genuinely don't know as to whether Ange sees him as a six or an eight, and I don't know the answer to that. And 
I'm sure he'll play a bit of both, but you know, Ange must have an idea of which position he sees him primarily in, and that would probably give us an idea of you know what he's looking to do in the summer. I mean, yeah. in terms of options, again, you know, to go to go to Wolves, we were being linked with Gomez in January, who was probably you know had an excellent game for them. I thought was very very snappy and aggressive in midfield, turned over the ball a lot. I mean, obviously got two goals, which isn't typical for him. Um, most of those links were coming from the Wolves' end rather than our end. So, I, you know, again, difficult to know whether there's much in that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely concede that it's harsh based on one game yesterday. And I do want to make clear that for me, unfortunately, and look, there could be an element of confirmation bias in what I'm saying because he was culpable for a goal yesterday or partially culpable. And I've had concerns about his focus and concentration since, since um, I think it was since Luton. Uh, since that game. So look, it could be a little bit of me, like just, you know, just repeatedly uh, concerned about, you know, just his ability to maintain focus 100% of the time in a vital role. And, and I, I concede that, but I, I will, I will go on record as saying that I do think if there is a player to be bought for 70 or 80 million at that position, and we can get good money back for for Bissouma, I would be completely in favour of it because, and it's got to be someone who's proven their worth. I mean, Arsenal bought Declan Rice for a shit ton of money, and and you get what you pay for, and it's I mean, such I, an important position. It's just my, it's just my view. I, mean, so, I, I think yeah. if we brought someone in, he's staying. I think it would be and him, hmm. and I think okay. you know, when you know at the end yeah. of the season when we look at the squad. And, you know, this is why I'm I'm saying there's there's an unanswered question around Benton Kerr. If Benton Kerr's an eight, you know, and also, you know, whether, you know, Devine or Bergville or those, whether they're going to be genuinely a first team option next season or whether they're going to be out on loan again or, you know, I don't know. All good questions. Um, But, yeah, if Benton Kerr is a six, then we need to sign an eight. If Benton Kerr is an eight, we need to sign a six. <laughs> All and, good questions, indeed. All good questions, <clears throat> indeed. And, uh, I mean, I, and again, so you, you, no, you mentioned, yeah, you, you mentioned Declan Rice as a somebody who plays that same position as well. And I, I guess Rodri is the is the best in that position. And both Man Incredible. City and, and Arsenal Incredible have to player. overcome low blocks as well. I guess the difference between both Rodri, Rice, and and Bissouma, to a lesser extent, Ben Tanker is that you know Rodri and Rice, you'll see them getting themselves in the penalty area, becoming a bit of a goal scoring threat whether it's from set pieces or not and I guess Basuma doesn't have that in his locker does he He hasn't scored a goal for us yet and he he didn't score many for Brighton either so that's where I guess that player in that specific situation um, that's where they take it to the next level is they just change that mindset and they get themselves in front of the ball and both of the players we're talking about are absolute units as well let's let's not beat around the bush I mean Declan Rice is six foot two Rodri's like seven feet eight I don't really know I mean they're they're units and they're imposing and, and 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 so on and so forth and I'm certainly not saying I mean Basuma is a fine player I see that and I, I I'm not oblivious to that but I just wonder again we, we've just talked about two players who basically are controlling the destinies of their relative club seasons and I think the way we're playing that the six is is so so important but anyway it's a discussion I'm sure we're going to have more of as the season goes on and it's a, a fun one to have I think so um okay uh did Ange get the subs wrong <laughs> <laughs> did he maybe, uh, you know, did he maybe go full Monty a, a little, a little too Keystoneish? I, I don't know. I, I'm throwing it out there as a question. Well, he di- didn't because he didn't make any changes till the 71st minute. By which point we were two one down, and probably with good reasons because I guess he he could have been tempted to make changes at half time. But actually, we came out really quickly. We scored within 60 seconds of the restart, and we were really pinning the balls back at at that point. So. I don't think there was the need to make changes necessarily. Of course, when Wolves score, 
then it becomes a bit of a bit of a hail mary. And putting having Kulisewski, Madison, and Bentan as your three in midfield really it was throwing caution mm. to win at wind at that point. Um, Johnson was on by by that point and I think made very little impact in the game. And then we brought on Werner and and Lacelso. And if you could tell me anything that they did after that, um, I, yeah. I, I can't. I just just think that the game situation yeah. was, was was wrong, and they couldn't get into a game because Wolves were even more defensive at that point. So yeah, I yeah I I I don't know. Last week he was criticised for making changes too early, and that shifted the momentum. And you know this weekend. So again, you talk about those Monday morning quarterbacks there. Um, I, th- I think he was probably wise not to make changes earlier in that second half because we were on top so Wolves scoring it really was a sucker punch when, the, when, you know, when they scored we can I think make arguments of the fact that probably over the balance of 90 minutes they you know they did very well and tactically were very efficient but that particular stage of the game was our strongest point in it yeah I don't think so particularly I mean I think I, I'm not particularly keen on these as kind of dis- discussions because I think the alternative is an untestable hypothesis so you know did he get them wrong I don't know what else could he have done how, how could we show that would have ended up differently and you know, this is kind of the perennial kind of online argument, isn't it? Where, like, in my head, this is what I he, he did, and he did it at this point, and this is the end result. And I'm I know more about football than Ange does, which is you know, nonsense. And I don't know. I mean, in terms of, I mean, he went more attacking. He tried to uh, take the game to Wolves. You know, as you said, you talked about the midfield, Gareth. I think yeah, most of us would probably be in favour of that given the game state at that point. Obviously, you know, Werner and Johnson aren't particularly useful against teams that sit deep because there's not a lot of space to attack, but that's not his fault what he's, what he's got on the bench. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, other than that, you know, you're protecting a load of players who, who are coming back from injury or, you know, international tournaments. So again, you know, it's okay. I don't know. I don't know what else you could have done, really. Does it show again uh, that, this is still a squad that for all the changes is still in transition because when it comes to these situations, we still don't necessarily have the sort of player on the bench we perhaps would have liked to have been able to bring on in this moment. Because as you both said, you know, but neither Werner or Johnson are the players that you want in this particular moment because, and I know you've been uh, banging on about this, but since, well, most of the season, Milo, that, you know, they are players who want the ball in behind and to run onto. And, uh, you know, actually it has to be said, Werner, did have one moment where he actually was very tricky in the box. And uh, I think he tried to con a penalty out of the ref rather cheekily, I will say. But by and large, they're not the players you want to bring on in that moment, uh, given what you need, right? So we need more off the bench in terms of variation. I mean, I would say that we probably we needed, you know, again, all the way back to the summer. And it's not just me. I mean, you know, half, half of you know, Spurs fan base are you know, calling for a 1v1 winger. And the, it's precisely because of... You know, teams like this that sit deep because it allows you to get in behind them and, and, and put balls in for, for you to attack, which is the problem we had. We played too much of the game, you know, in front of Wolves defense mm. and we could, we couldn't get in behind them. But, you know, the one time we did, Decky gets a goal. And so, you know, what, what we need is that and that should, that, that player should be starting. Um, it's the gaping hole in the squad. Mm. But it's Solomon, isn't it? Is is the dribbly winger but, that we've but got? But he's not, though. He's not. He's he's not particularly quick. He's not. Partic- you know, most of the time when he gets the ball, he passes back. Um, he's the closest we've got to that. But he's not. He's not what we need. He's not of that quality. It makes what the the decky portion of our discussion even more prescient, I think, and and makes what he can do in these moments. Uh, it's even more frustrating that he doesn't. And that's you know that's. But he but he's not that player either because he he uses his foot his strength off players in order to get past them. Right. He's not a dribbler. 
he he's he holds he's 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 great at holding onto the ball and he's he's very very difficult to get the ball off but he's not someone who's going to take someone on and you know beat them one on one with the ball at their feet yeah, but I mean, in yesterday's game where it is so tight, you would expect him to muscle it a bit more. But maybe this is maybe Bergvall is going to be a, a, a you know an answer. It's not that either. No, Berg, Bergvall's um, Sars understudy. He he's a box to box midfielder. He's not a passer. He's a box to box midfielder. He's a dribbler. He's not really. He's not. He's not. Um, he's not. You he, he might be able to break into the box, but he's not. He's not. A, he's not like that. He's not. He's not that kind of creative player. He's a box to box midfielder. Okay, I succeed to your knowledge. Uh, I I thought he had a, a great reviews as a dribbler, and I've seen some good dribbling clips of him. So I thought he was the sort of player who could take a man on and beat him. But uh, you know, we will see. <laughs> so not from those positions, Steph. You know, he he's he's a he's going to be in that if he's if he's coming if he's playing next season, he's going to be a rotation option in that SAR eight role. Wow. So then we're back to Bentoncourt. Where does that leave him? Well, Bergvall may well, but, you know, he's he's playing he's playing in in Sweden. He's playing, you know, not particularly high level. He's going to be, you know, he could well be third choice there if he if he's playing next season. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. So the two week break coming up. Uh, do you think uh, that you know? Do you think it helps us at this point? I mean, Ange was asked this and gave a curious response. I thought, and I mean, he would know best. He almost alluded to the fact that we'd be better off to to just have a game and just be able to just carry on, sort of like working our way through it. But I mean, to the layman, uh, I myself, uh, it seems that there can be nothing but good coming from a two week break. Right. Well, I, mean, I think in this this particular case, two weeks gives us a better opportunity to get Poro and Udogi back into the starting eleven. And by yeah. the sounds of it, if the game was next weekend, you'd at best have have one of them in there. So, um, having discussed how important they are as components to the team in there, I would say that probably a two week break is good. I know from talking to to to, to a cousin who's been involved at the very high levels of professional football um, as a, as a physiotherapist. He's always said that theory is, in an ideal world, you'd have a game every five to seven days. So once you start having a break of beyond that, it actually can disrupt rhythm. And if you're playing Which, less than five days, of course, you then run into fatigue issues. Champions League final 2019 being the biggest mm. case. I mean, what an egregious gap there was, right, for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think with Ange, Ange just wants... To play football doesn't he? He, he i think Ange is pretty straight up he just wants games he doesn't want those games to be interrupted he doesn't want anything other than you know kind of yeah you know, a good game of football with you know few interruptions i think he's a bit of a purist on that isn't he um i think it's necessary i think we're running on fumes at the moment and the chance to kind of work with those players who've been returning from international football and the new signings and and the players who've you know coming back from injury and everything else and just give the others a rest um is really useful is is necessary and you know with the kind of with Poro's injury you know the, the, I you know I've kind of mentioned his his drop off in form since I suppose over the last month or so I, when we in the lead up to the Burnley FA Cup game I was hoping that he was going to get a rest from that game because he'd played so much and I was worried that we might see something like this um so yeah I see it as an opportunity to try and try and stop that um, and you know, get a rest so yeah I think I think it's I think it's a good thing I think it's necessary yeah I think we're all in agreement on that I mean and I, I don't think either injury was a particular surprise given uh that the amount of work both those players have put in uh this season especially Poro I think it is quite literally 
to you know so many miles on the clock at some point in the season it's just going to catch up with you i mean we're probably lucky it didn't it wasn't a, you know hasn't been a bigger injury albeit we don't know maybe mm. we're going to get terrible news in the week and hear that it, it was sounds, but yeah i it sounds like he's the one out of the two that's more doubtful for for palace i think uh, andrew was pretty clear that doggy would be ready for it um i mean yeah. poro was hopping and holding his foot a fair bit yeah. towards the end of that brighton game I don't know whether you got someone stamped on the top of his foot or something like that, but it well, it screamed metatarsal so. to me at first. That's what I mean. My 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 uh, my par- not paranoid, but my and dark thought. But I mean, he it, played it's, out it's the obviously, game. It's obviously not that because they would yes. have announced if it, if, if it was right. that, and, it w- and they yes. wouldn't have given that kind of injury schedule. But um, no, I yeah. Mean, but he took a hefty knock for sure. Yeah, that, that's clear. All right. Um, there has been a negative reaction to this result in, well, in some quarters. I think it's been for a lot of quarters, sadly. Uh, you know, there's the grumble is starting to erupt from some of the not quite so Spurs faithful. You know, there's people saying the honeymoon periods over, all, all the usual, you know, echoes. Um, you know, did our early season, well, I think our early season form, you know, has given some unrealistic expectations, but do you think people are cognizant of how far along we actually are versus how far along they might have thought we would have been at this stage of the season back in August? Um, I, th- I think look, as someone who's recently gone back onto Twitter for, let me say, for professional reasons, what's, what's really palpable, having scrolled through it all, is this, this this sense that if you don't agree one hundred percent with what someone else has said, then you're you're accused of having the polar opposite opinion, um, and then you get a backlash to that backlash, which then gets another backlash in there. Um, so it's it's really much so trying to scroll through Twitter or other social media accounts and actually find out what the sort of average thought is at the moment is is very difficult to actually judge, but. That I I would usually be someone who would find somewhere in the middle. I, I I think I perhaps didn't get carried away by our form early in the in the season, um, and I'm therefore not going to get carried away at the as things stand at the moment. Um, as you know, I often like to reflect on on previous examples. I do think this season was always likely to be like Potch's first season, 2014-15. I think there's lots of similarities just in the way that we're trying to um, reconstruct a squad at the moment and reconstruct a playing style and a, and a, and a bit of a vision. And with that, there's always going to be some clunky, not just one-off performances, but, but moments until those things come right and I think that's probably where we are at the moment um, you know definitely the, the form we had at the start of the season was was unsustainable um, there was I think we would have to look back in hindsight and say a lot of the results we got at the start of the year um, probably relied on us having really good 20-25 minute performances here or there and a bit of luck as well I guess that Liverpool one was the was the case in point and probably if you took that Liverpool result out of there um, would there be any really outstanding results that you've seen this year that you know that made you think that we would be anything other than a team in transition who should be looking at getting somewhere in the sort of the top end of 60 maybe lower 70 points at a you know at a push this year I, I don't think there was really and probably we're, we're finding a bit of a bit of an average at the moment I think things have just plateaued out a little bit and there's there's a lot of time left in the season for teams to get into form and go out of form and I'm sure we will get into form again and then we'll drop out of it again in the next what 12 or, or 13 games um, yeah, I mean, in terms of kind of the reaction, I think, you know, we're not a, not a fan base that's known for being measured and level, level-headed. Um, and I think, you know, Gareth's talking about Twitter. I mean, I've kind of, I've vacated Twitter, um, last year for Blue Sky, which is a lot, 
more measured and uh, and less knee jerky, and that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm spending time there rather than on Twitter because it just you know I just can't be dealing with all that negativity and kind of overreactions to to the slightest uh, setback. And yeah, I think people are losing sight of where we are in this. I mean, you know, on Twitter, I don't not anyone you take seriously, but I have seen I, I did see some Ange out posts. Uh, I did see some people saying that um, you know kind of harking back to some of the you know, kind of reaction from um some of the knuckle draggers when he was first appointed so that kind of you know what's he done he's only managed in australia japan and scotland you know he hasn't he hasn't got the cv to match up for it and then kind of people kind of going back to that kind of position and saying oh i was right when i you know what i said in the summer um uh, which is you know it was bollocks then and it's bollocks now and you know for, as we've said over the last kind of you know 50 or so minutes you know we're x way through a process We've talked about some of the gaps in the squad and the kind of the profile of players we need or the backup we need. And actually, in most cases, it's actually you know, backup players that we need rather than starting players to kind of complete this. Um, I think, you know, the players getting used to the system. I think, you know, a lot of the injuries we've had this year, which have disrupted us, have been because of the kind of explosive way we're playing, uh, or you know, should be playing when we're playing at our best, just taking its toll on the body. Those players will get used to that. They'll get used to, um, you know, how we, how we should be playing. It will become second nature and it will get better. I think, you know, the other one you could look at, Gareth, in terms of parallels is kind of early in Klopp's time at Liverpool, um, where, mm-hmm. you know, his first couple of seasons, I think, was it seventh or eighth they finished in his first season? Yeah, eighth. And yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, we've got to hold our, hold our nerve. And if you can't hold your nerve, you don't deserve the good times when they come. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it, we, we all thought last season we needed to rebuild. We all thought that we needed, you know, a new project. We needed to build a new team. We needed a new ethos. We wanted to be playing attacking football. And if you think that can be done in two transfer windows and you get immediate success, then maybe this isn't the sport for you. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this isn't the club for you. I mean, I, I think, again, I'm going to go back to one of my favourite words of 2023-24, uh, which is holistic. I think you have to view these situations holistically. I think if you don't, you're, 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 you're a fool to yourself, really. I mean... You know, I think it's your word of the decade, Steph. Uh, it's one of them. Dialectic would probably be that one right now, in fairness. That would be my word for the decade, dialectic, um, which I'd like to think our pod is one of the most dialectic Spurs pods out there because we seem to cover all, all you know, both sides of the fence and the you know, two truths in one action, all that business. But just I've got to finish this point. Uh, you know, we can all be disappointed with the performance yesterday. There's nothing wrong with that. But you do, in these moments where there's a disappointing performance, you do have to apply a holistic lens for all the reasons you've both said. Um, you know, it, 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 otherwise you are really missing the point. You're missing what's going on. You're missing what's happening at this football club. I've read people saying, well, you know, where's his plan B? You know, all this bit of nonsense, which, of course, as as we know, you know, you meant like Manchester City don't have plan Bs, they have plan As and they just keep on working them until they're absolutely unbeatable. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolute, it, it's just reactionary rubbish. I think it is a societal issue. I won't get too social about it. I mean, the, the, the platforms you've both talked about, Blue Sky, I've never been to. Uh, Twitter, I occasionally go, go past and, and I, look, it's just like, it, it's like the sequel to Mike Judge's Idiocracy. I mean, it's like one big massive owl my balls all the fucking time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you, you spoke about that being a societal issue, and I, I guess we probably contribute to this as as well. But when there is when there is so much access to reaction over every single game, I mean, there we we are what we were the best of, but there are probably what fifteen twenty other Spurs pods out there at the moment that will all be discussing this game, and then we'll be previewing the next one. I think it's very very easy 
to be caught and just sucked into the moment a little bit and not see that bigger picture. So I don't know whether you, I, I posted on WhatsApp earlier, I'd found on in my Spurs on this day book there. On this day, 65 years ago, so that's what, 1959, yeah. um, First Division Spurs, who were 19th in the league at the time, lost 1-0 in an FA Cup replay to Third Division Norwich City. And who was the Spurs manager then? Bill Nicholson, who was who was about to achieve the double with Spurs. Now you kind of think, well, what if social media and what if podcasts and twenty four hour rolling sports news was was around in nineteen fifty nine? Would 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 Bill Nick have lasted beyond that point? It was a very auspicious start well, for if, him. If everyone listened to our rational podcast, then they would have been fine because everyone would have yeah. listened to us and thought, oh, we are being a little overreactionary and stupid. Let's uh, let's be a little more measured. Mm. Not I don't, I don't, any arrogance about it at all. But <laughs> and, and the other thing, which is very specific to the, to the moment we're in at the moment, what amplifies any anxiety about what we're doing is what's going on down the road. And unfortunately, Arsenal going on a run of winning, what, 6-0, 5-0 and, and 5-0 just doesn't, just didn't, didn't help the vibes, does all it? All that, all that, and they're still not going to win it. <laughs> It's going to be, it's unbelievable. It's a bit like Harry and Bayern. I mean, you know, anyway, let's not drag off into that, shall we? So, But it was only a few weeks ago when Arsenal fans were calling for Arteta out or sections yeah. of their online fan base. <laughs> really? Yeah. <What>? Really? <laughs> they, they lost to West Ham and Fulham, didn't they, in successive days right at the end of last yeah. year? <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's just uh, it's best to ignore it all. It's just best to ignore it all and just kind of mm. plough on in your, kind of your merry I want way. it all and I want it now. <laughs> and I know better about everything. And I know better about everything. <laughs> and uh, Steph, you, I mean, you, you've li- you've lived through a time supporting Spurs when we were relegated, weren't we? So and we kept and we kept the manager and we kept yes. the faith then as well. And I, I guess from you know they, they, right. they were they, they were simpler times, weren't they? The game finished at five o'clock on Saturday. You had a moan about it in the pub and on the way home. You probably didn't think about the next game until the following Friday yes. evening or Saturday morning. The world had not been privy to so many millions of experts at that point, had it? Absolutely. As we as we most thankfully are now. <laughs> my tongue is firmly in my cheek, even though we don't get video on this podcast. But anyway, in a, <laughs> I think we're all in agreement. People need to just chill out and look at the bigger picture, as we do tend to say um, at these moments. But with justification this season, for sure, he's changed so much and it's going so well overall. Um, OK, what did you think of Wolves? I was I was impressed with them. I thought they were very well organised. Um, I noticed, you know it's not a surprise really. You think that their best results they've had this year have been against. I'm going to say quote the better teams, which I'll include us within as well. They've beaten Manchester City already. Um, they lost at Brentford last week. I mean that's their inconsistencies. I think when you play in the way that they did yesterday, you can you know you can pull that off in certain situations, but it's not sustainable over the course of a season to get you into the top half of the of the league. But I, I mean, Gary O'Neill was now beaten us three times in a row as a manager, didn't he? Mm. He was manager of Bournemouth right at the end of last season. They've been a bogey team for us. They've got about as good a record as anyone against us. That's four times in in six that they've they've beaten us in this home fixture. Yeah, I was impressed with them too. I think Gary O'Neill's done a fantastic job there. And I think, you know, when we did our season preview, I think a lot of us had them tipped for relegation because they'd had a disastrous summer, and obviously O'Neill came in very late. And I think he's, I think he's done a great job. And um, yeah, they're very well organised. They're really difficult to break down. Um, you know, really good on the break. You know, we, we talked, you know, about some of the, you know, got some very good players. You know, we talked about a few of them and, you know, who might, who might suit us. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be watching that kind of football week in, week out, but I, yeah, I'm very impressed. You know, 
difficult opponent. Yeah, I mean, everything you've both said, I mean, they, you know, they they deserved what they got. They created some good chances um, and they, they held us at bay. I am not a fan of any team that comes to put 10 men behind the ball and plays on the break like that. But as has been pointed out to me, uh, I believe by a couple of, of you chaps even uh, over the course of time, this was basically a microcosm of what Antonio Conte had us doing. And I certainly hypocritically <laughs> said that there were times I thought it was some of the, so there were some great moments. So, you know, you, you can't I think, wear. I think, I, think, I think you've also got to be honest. You, you can't expect every team to come there and just kind of stand by and applaud you while you you know while you walk the ball into the net you, you know well, i'm not saying got, that no no well, i know not. you're not steph i know you're not steph but i think in terms of you know if they're looking at us and saying yeah what's the best way of beating spurs you know this is one of the you know one of the good right. good approaches to it. there was a really interesting gary o'neill was a, a guest on uh monday night football on sky earlier in the season a few months ago and they, they he was talking about us and he was talking about our system and it was a really interesting watch i think it's up on youtube so it's worth digging out if, if it's mm. there um, he, he was, he was good as an analyst. He, 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 um, made some interesting observations. I, yeah. I say, I know you're not saying that, Steph. I just think, you yeah, know, yeah. We, we've got to expect that, you know, a smaller team is going to come and make life difficult for us. And they we did do. it really well. I think it's always fascinating, like how teams view themselves. And, you know, Wolves are one of those teams who, you know, at this point, if they can keep their good players, I mean, they're on the cusp of having a side that can easily push for Europa League, easily push for Europe. And we would wonder, will Gary O'Neill then develop another way of playing that's been maybe a bit more progressive? Who knows? This one seems to be working for him. They've done the double over us this season. I think they'll be the only team that does double over us this season, by the way. Uh, so it's very hard to, uh, it's very hard to say anything other than, yeah, they've done their work well. So. One positive and one negative uh, in 30 seconds. Gentlemen, who wants to take that on? Well, for, for me, the positive, I'm going to sound a little bit mawkish possibly, but I, I thought the or the whole week really leading up for the proud Lily Whites and the week they've had celebrating their, their 10 years anniversary was really good. And I thought it was really well recognised. And I know they were at the the women's game as well today. And you know, long may, may that continue. Um Negative for me on the footballing side. I just hope that Yesley doesn't create a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy about when we come up against low block opponents because I can see that anxiety in the crowd. I've, I mean, Crystal Palace are our next opponent, opponents. Whether it will be um, whether it be Roy Hodgson in charge or not, I don't know. But there's a good chance that they will play with exactly the same intention as Wolves. And you can imagine the crowd getting a bit antsy if we're not one 0 up after five minutes. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a problem, isn't it, Gareth? Is that is that kind of uh, builds because you know as we said we've got to hold our nerve and the crowd getting on the team's back is you know kind of the antithesis of what was positive early in the season as a club as a fan base I think we've got to grow out of it um, positive the positive bit for me is the two week break it's a real chance to recharge our batteries I think that's and you know work on a few things on the training ground and hopefully one of those is kind of breaking down teams that sit deep and uh, make life like make life difficult for us um and the negative, I suppose it's, yeah, it's the flip of that, isn't it? We, we, I, th- I think this was almost the perfect game for Wolves in that, you know, when they scored and then they caught us on the break. If those goals happen the other yeah. way around, we score, you know, we score first. They, Wolves can't play as they did. They can't sit deep. They have to come onto us and then there's opportunities yes. for us. And yeah, I think that the same game played again several times. I don't think you get the same result. Um, but you know, we've had plenty that, you could say the other, you know, have gone the other way. We've won when, you know, could have gone the other way if, uh, you know, very easily. So, 
You know. Yeah, in these situations, especially against these sides, as you said, the first goal is absolutely vital. I mean, it's so important. Um, well, I'll take the positive as being a big Vic, uh, looking imperious as Fantastic imperious as ever, yeah. having had a couple of uh, having had a couple of weeks where people have put him under microscopes, and is he wobbling a bit? And but I, look, I think that's a bit of mischief by the press, just looking to create a story where there isn't one. I think he's been really solid all season. To be fair, um, and so just to see him, like you know. I thought he was quietly brilliant yesterday, mm-hmm. as he generally has been. Um, and look, I, I, I think the negative for me is in those situations, we still have a couple of players who can who can punch punch the line, if you will. I'm not sure if that's a phrase, but given how I have treated nutsacks and all that, or sorry, nutshells, <laughs> given how I've treated nutshells and all that, I don't know if my phraseology is worth trusting. But, I, I you know, what, what Decky did right after half time, I just think couple more moments like that from him and Sonny in these situations and we actually do have enough quality on the pitch to, to, to conjure something so I'm disappointed whenever I see us have those tentative spells where we just seem to keep going from side to side and not really want to push it that's my disappointment but you know small potatoes in the big picture it's a defeat I think we will be fine you almost want this to start taking a few more shots from distance, don't you? And then yes, chasing up on second absolutely. balls. Just get get Richie in around, in around the, on, uh, following up on the yes. keeper and seeing what comes to 100%. us. 100%. Taking a few more shots would be a great thing. Yeah, I was disappointed that that didn't happen. That's also a negative yesterday. It was a moment where it should have happened, a game where it could have been very productive. Yeah. Anyway, sure. at this point, given the fact I'm mangling the English language, uh, I, I'll hand it over to you. <laughs> For the week that was, um, so, Steph, you wanted. Well, you've already talked about uh, about nutsacks, but you wanted me to read this title out, which was only meant to be there to make us giggle, and uh, was just a, my, my, a child, childish little childish little gag from me. Uh, the title of this first item was Sonny's Fingers and Jurgen's Sack, um, which was uh, about news that emerged this week that Sonny returned to Spurs with. Do you want to get this out of your system? Oh, I've got it out of my system. Okay. <laughs> News emerged this week that Sonny returned to Spurs with a heavily strapped finger after dislocating it at, Asia, at the Asia Cup after a disagreement with younger squad members. Uh, the incident happened ahead of South Korea's semi-final against Jordan when younger members of the squad left the dinner table to play table tennis. Son and some of the older players thought that this showed a lack of respect and focus and Sonny called them out on it, leading to a fracas. Um, in better news for South Korea, Jürgen Klinsmann has been sacked after a disappointing performance at the Asia Cup. South Korea FA, South Korean FA pulled no punches, releasing the following statement. The KFA has decided to change the national head coach following a comprehensive review. Klinsman has failed to display managerial capability and leadership expected of a national head coach in areas ranging from tactics, personal management to, uh, to work attitude and others required to bring about competitive, competitiveness to the team. Klinsman's attitude and competitiveness as head coach has fallen short of people's expectations and it was agreed that this would uh, not be improved going forward so we've decided to change leadership ahead of the 2026 World Cup qualifying games. That's probably not the best reference to show uh, prospective future employees, employers, is it? So Gareth, I, I don't know about you, but I've been, I've just uh, listened to that and I know that, you know, Milo has work duties uh, in the Northeast, he was informing us earlier, but um, I, I have a feeling that perhaps some of these work duties have been in Seoul the last couple of weeks and that uh, perhaps he was uh, on a short-term contract with the South Korean FA because I believe this is word for word what he's been saying about <laughs> Jürgen Klinsmann for, the, for many a month, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think Milo's <laughs> consultancy role with the, with the, with the KFA. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think he's. I think so, right? It's, well, you've got to hand it to got to hand it to the man. He's he's managed to actually uh, get it done. He's got the job done. It's, it's the whole lovely. of South Korea, the, the whole of South Korea is delighted with him, and uh, I'm sure Milo will let you know when he's next at the lane, and you can go and thank him personally. <laughs> That's, well, do you know what? I mean, obviously, as as ever, there is a, there was a huge contingent of South Korean fans yesterday, and I was very concerned for the bloke who was wearing a retro '94 '95 uh, Umbro shirt with Klinsman '18 on the back. I didn't think he was going to get lynched. <laughs> oh dear good old Jürgen he's done a fucking awful job there <laughs> yeah, you, really you made that clear already in your statement oh. that, that was that you were hired to write so <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, Brooklyn Lions Foster um, has joined HJK Helsinki on a permanent deal Brooklyn's 23 and has been a staple of our development teams over the last few years um, and frequently captained our under 21s um, looks like a good move for him doesn't it yeah, good luck to him. Given that I uh, thought that Bergvall was a, was a fucking dribbling sensation, it's safe to say I have no knowledge of this whatsoever. And so I secede again to your uh, to good move, uh, doesn't it? So yes, sure. Berg- Bergvall's a decent ball carrier, Steph, but just not in the parts of the pitch no, we're I talking know, about. I know. So, no, no, yeah. I'm just saying I I I I, it, I really know nothing about the club and, he's going to, and, and uh, you know. And yeah. Lance Forster is a is a decent player. He's been around for a long time, but he's he's never going to be breaking into the first team. And at twenty three, he yeah. and it's good it's good for the the, the under twenty ones, I think, to for him to move on and a younger player to come through and take that spot who gotcha. might be able to develop into a first team player. And finally, okay. so Gareth already mentioned this. I thought he was going to steal my thunder. So um, proud, proud Lily Whites have um, well, we want to wish proud Lily Whites a very happy tenth anniversary. They celebrated with an event at the stadium on Thursday night, attended by Ledley King, Ben Davis, and 100 proud Lily White members and allies. Um, at yesterday's game, the new logo was unveiled, and unveiled at the northeast corner of the stadium. A giant flag waved from the south stand before the game. Um, there were rainbow corner flags. Uh, proud Lily White members were interviewed by Ledgers on the pitch at halftime, and the stadium was lit up in ra- rainbow colours after the game. I think I speak for all of us when I say that Proud Lady Whites are a credit to the club and make match going experience better for everyone, but especially LGBTQI plus fans. So, yeah, I just want to say happy birthday and you're brilliant. Yeah, uh, fully echoed. Yeah, what a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've um, worked on a couple of projects with Chris Paros, who's the chair of that mm. group and co-founder of that group over the, the years. Um, and yeah, really, really well deserved. And yeah, they continue to to be a, a beacon for us as a club, I think. And I know that they, I've, um, they've been real pioneers, and they've helped other like-minded organisations with yeah. other clubs across the country to to form and to Great. establish themselves too. Nice to hear. Yeah, very good, and and so important as well. So yeah, chaps. That was fun. That was a good one. I thought Cheers, it was an interesting conversation. And uh, ultimately, as I hope everyone now understands, chill out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to the point, uh, it's so much of a chill out time. There's no Spurs game next week. So the notes say, say we're going to have to put our heads together and think of something else to talk about. Milo has already come up with a fine concept for next week, but I'm not going to tell you about it. You're just going to have to wait and see. But it's a good one really good so thanks for joining us and uh we will see you next week because as i just said it's going to be a good one